front, and it's showtime from downtown Winnipeg. Moxley's pass, a shot, they score! Trinkley Cutter scores! What a stop by Hellebach! Nikolai Ehlers on the faceoff! Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I'm your host, Tyler Esquivel, joined, as always, by 680 CJOB's Jamie Thomas and Jets TV's Mitchell Clinton. Uh, Before we get things started on the podcast to talk about the hockey that has been played here for the Winnipeg Jets, uh, obviously, Mark Chipman and Kevin Chevaldeov met the media yesterday uh, to address the General Block report out of the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, if you're interested in uh, checking out the entire uh, media availability, it's on winnipegjets.com. It's uh, just a shade over an hour's time. Uh, well worth your time to go and give it a watch. Uh, but for the sake of uh, playing and talking about it on the podcast, uh, here are a few clips from the two gentlemen uh, on Tuesday. As we've uh, seen, heard, and learned, this has been a horrific week. For Cal Beach and all victims of sexual harassment and assault. Hearing Kyle's story has no doubt brought about pain to many people and triggered some very difficult memories. Hockey fans and our broader community have been unpacking the multiple layers of events that occurred in 2010 in Chicago how we're addressing them now, and more importantly, what we will do and how we'll act to improve moving forward. One of the questions that has been asked repeatedly of us over the past week is what have you learned from this experience? As an opening statement, allow me to share the following. First, We need to fight the urge to look to and communicate the logic and facts in our defense of Kevin Sheveldayoff. Instead, we need to be reminded of a number of stark realities. According to the World Health Organization, it's estimated that one in three women will be sexually assaulted in their lifetime. And according to the one in six organization, one in six men will be sexually assaulted. In terms of seeking support in the aftermath of assault, those who have been assaulted are likely to respond in one of three ways I've come to understand. The first is a preferred scenario where the victim of harassment or assault shares their story with someone and they receive the care and support they need and deserve. The second, regrettably, is one of silence, where the victim does not share their story for fear of judgment, reprisal, shame, or other negative outcome. And the third is one where victims share their story, but those who hear it do not adequately investigate, protect, advocate for, and ultimately care for that individual. 
Cal Beach falls into this third category, who shared his experience and did not get the care that he deserved. Cal should be commended for not only sharing his story, but also serving as a courageous example to other survivors. Now I cannot presume to begin to understand what Kyle has been through, but I have had the experience of seeing the impact of sexual abuse. on people very close to me. I've watched with a sense of helplessness, the pain and devastation, and have come to learn that its consequences are not self-contained. So I need Kyle to know how very, very sorry I am, and how much I admire his courage. The second thing we've learned this week and throughout these horrible events is that we need to be clearer and more intentional in our messaging. Sexual abuse and violating others personal space by abusing power is unspeakably abhorrent. Also wrong is inaction by those who know the details and don't do everything in their power to help the victim know that they are heard. I believe we live in a world that is too often not done the important work responding and caring for victims and doing everything in our power to make sure that they and others are not further harmed. It grieves us not only that Cal Beach had this experience, but that others find resonance in his story. We, we want to name that this has been a hard week for many as Cal's story is hard to hear in of itself, but perhaps echoes the pain of others who have not been heard and valued. I want to begin by stating how sorry I am that this happened to Kyle and that he's suffered as horribly as he did. What Kyle went through is unacceptable and intolerable. No one should ever have to go through what he went through. Kyle was failed by a system that should have helped him, but did not. I am sorry that my own assumptions about that system were clearly not good enough. At the time of the May 23rd, 2010 meeting, where I first heard about the harassment allegations, it was not clear to me what had fully transpired. It was not until this year that I became aware that Kyle Beach had been sexually assaulted. Further, I left that meeting with the understanding that the allegations would be dealt with by those above me 
Three weeks later, upon learning that the individual was no longer with the organization, I further assumed that the situation had been addressed. Having had the opportunity to reflect after reading the report and after seeing Kyle's moving interview, I am sorry that I cannot change what took place or how the process was handled back then. But I can learn from this and make sure that this never happens again. Knowing what I know today, I wish I could have been an empowered bystander as Sheldon Kennedy has encouraged us all to be. We all must do better to ensure that we have safe spaces and proper systems in place that prioritize a person's health and well-being to make sure something like this never happens again. We all have to do better. There are far too many instances of people in power using their position to harass and assault others. I'm committed to being part of that change in the game of hockey, and I will speak with and learn from survivors about what we can do differently in our sport. All right, uh, Mitchell, the Winnipeg Jets, uh, as we record this on Wednesday afternoon, it's an off day. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets coming off a 4-3 shootout victory uh, in thrilling fashion at Canada Life Centre over the Dallas Stars. Uh, it's been a little while since our last podcast, but the Jets have had a pretty good run here. Uh, I believe it's points in, what, seven straight now. Uh, just what have you seen from the Winnipeg Jets that's allowed them to get points in the standings, even though I think the consensus amongst the, the group is that they totally haven't loved their game throughout the stretch, but it's working in nonetheless. I think their best game of the stretch, honestly, was uh, the game against the Dallas Stars, uh, where they had the lead and ultimately weren't able to hold on to it. So uh, it was kind of tough for them in that regard. Um just to see, you know, an effort that was so, so good end up being, you know, the having to go to overtime, having to go through the shootout. But that being said, I mean, you, you get the two points. You got points in seven straight, like you said. Whereas over the road trip, it was all about the comebacks. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers in Anaheim scoring twice in 19 seconds uh, for one of the craziest kind of last-minute comebacks we've seen. Uh, then they come back in the third period once again against the Los Angeles Kings. They score the equalizer in the third period against the San Jose Sharks, ultimately fall uh, in overtime to San Jose. But, you know, it's, uh, like you said, it's points in, in seven straight, especially after the start that saw them go 0-2-1. and uh, I think you, you would absolutely take it, and you would know that, yes, there's areas that you want to get a little bit better in. Uh, the other good news is you got Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler back. Um Big shout out to, to Connor Hellebuck and his wife uh, Andrea for the birth of their new baby. Uh, just the, the early early morning uh, of Tuesday against the the Dallas Stars. So uh, lots going on, but throughout it all, the Winnipeg Jets have kind of been able to keep putting those points in the bank. And I, I don't recall which player said it early on, but he was just basically making the point that yeah, you know, everybody talks about the playoff races at the end of the year, but 
you got to be able to bank those points early, and that's what they've been able to do. Uh, speaking of banking points early, Andrew Kopp is off to a fantastic start to his season. Uh, he's got five goals, four assists, so that's nine points in nine games. Uh, hasn't had any uh, score sheet appearances in the last two, mm-hmm. but I'm sure no one's hitting the panic button whatsoever. The man has just been a force to be reckoned with, yeah. quite frankly, Jamie. Just what have you seen from his play? He's getting a ton of minutes uh, from the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley being on the COVID list, you know, plays into that a little bit, mm-hmm. I think. But it's nice to know you can trust this player. I think Andrew Kopp keeps betting on himself, and Andrew Kopp keeps winning. Uh, it's that simple. And uh, I, one thing that we know won't be sustainable is the shooting percentage is 22.7%. That's pretty hard to keep up for an entire season. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that part uh, we know won't keep up. But he's uh, averaging a, a career-high 21 minutes and 22 seconds of, of ice time right now. His face-off percentage is 56%. And I go back to that game, I believe, in Los Angeles where he had 10 more face-offs than the next closest player. And that was Adam Lowry. So uh, he's become a trustworthy guy in the face-off circle for Paul Maurice. And I think his play in the face-off circle and on top of his offensive part of his game and the penalty killing and the power play has allowed Paul Maurice to keep those top six forward group together, which allowed him to slowly bring in Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler back from COVID. So everything that Andrew Kopp has been asked to do, he has done it and then some more. And I don't know why we're even surprised anymore. And, you know, speaking with Paul Maurice the other day, he said it's so rare rare a guy comes into the National Hockey League who has a defensive mindset where his offensive game gets better every year. It's just ordinarily they just stay in that defensive role. But Andrew Kopp has done more than that and stretched out. And I think the Jets clearly are benefiting from the offensive surge from Andrew Kopp right now. Yeah, if if you're a young player in the league, I I truly think that Andrew Kopp would be the blueprint in terms of how – the coaches would want you to play. So often you have guys that put up points, and that's something Andrew Cobb did. And like mm-hmm. you mentioned, he comes in with a defensive mindset. And if, if you're good at that, then you can allow yourself to maybe take a few more chances. So Andrew Cobb, uh, a fantastic start to the season for him. Uh, also very balanced on the uh, score sheet as well. Power play goal, shorthanded goal, game winner, and obviously some even strengths in there as well. Uh, Mitchell, we kind of mentioned it off the top. Uh, Connor Hellebuck did not dress on Tuesday against the Dallas Stars. Obviously for the best of reasons. His uh, wife, Andrea, gave birth to a, a baby boy. I uh, hope that both of them, and, or all, th- all three of them, rather, are doing well. Um, so that meant Eric Comrie between the pipes. And I think for a lot of Jets fans, they were wondering which games were going to be circled for Eric. And uh, his first came against the Los Angeles Kings last week, uh, picking up the W and getting the Helmet of the Game Award, naturally, uh, and then thrust back into the starters role at uh, Canada Life Centre to open a seven-game homestand. So I don't think this was the script that everybody thought was going to be uh, in play, but that's how it worked out. Just what have you seen from Eric so far that's uh, allowed him to get two wins? I thought what was really interesting from him, especially... Uh, in training camp was he talked about the work that he did with a sports psychologist. This is the first time he's ever worked with one. And this, I mean, it, it speaks to athletes always trying to find a way to get better. But Eric Comrie's kind of been through uh, a lot of challenges in terms of, you know, where he's played, how many games he's played uh, over the course of the last couple seasons. So this was kind of the, the season that, you know, it was his first chance to really um, take a role and, and run with it. And now all of a sudden he's played a couple games in the last three outings for the Winnipeg Jets. And he's won them both, which is huge, obviously. That's kind of 
everything that you always hear about Eric Comrie is he's such a great guy and, and all that kind of stuff, which even he acknowledges like, yep, that's great, but I also have to win games for this team. Um, so he kind of just focused on a couple of things. I remember in Los Angeles, he wanted to skate well, which, you know, to someone that doesn't know the position as well, you know, you might think, well, skate well, like the goaltender doesn't skate, but you actually got to be a fantastic skater because it gets you into your positions that you need to be in uh, as quickly and efficiently as, as you need to be in those positions to be able to make stops. So he was quite good against the Los Angeles Kings, and then he comes in against the Dallas Stars team that's motivated. They Things weren't going so well for them. They hadn't scored more than two goals in regulation time all season. They come into the game uh, at Canada Life Centre. They are able to get three, but... You start to look at some of the goals that that did occur. I mean, you have Jamie Benn in front of you all alone. That's a tough stop for any goaltender. Um, And then he was screened on the third. uh, And he, as a goaltender, is always going to say, like, you know, I want to be able to see through those screens. I want to be able to fight through those. So uh, then the other goal that Dallas scored was a a gold mouse scramble. So you know what? I think Eric Comrie is building confidence uh, in himself. He was always – he always felt that – once he got a few starts, it's been similar to every level for him. He's where he's always had that point where he goes, "Okay, I've got it now. I know I can do this." And I think he's getting close to that uh, in the National Hockey League now. I think he's got ten starts in his career over the course of the last number of years, but um, two of them this year, two in the last three games for the Winnipeg Jets, both of them wins. I think that's uh, a real good sign for the Jets. This situation just reminds me so much of the Lauren Bressois. Mm. Uh, time when he was brought in, everybody's like, who's this guy? Yes. And nobody had any confidence in the backup goaltender. And then, boom, uh, they were winning games. And here we are again. So I'm not shocked. I think the biggest thing with Eric Comrie is is that the, all the other starts he's had with the Jets, he's been called up by, from the Manitoba Moose. Now you don't have this, oh, if I'm not speaking for Eric, but maybe he's thinking, oh, if I don't have a great start, I'm going back. Or this is just that one-off kind yeah. of thing. And I have to prove myself. And maybe over... Uh, stressing himself in those situations. Now he's the bona fide backup goaltender. He feels and knows that if he has a bad night, he's not getting sent back to the American Hockey League. I think that puts him at ease a little bit, and I think that's that's shown his last two his, his starts this year. The other thing too is the guys absolutely love this, yeah. this this person. You know, I don't know if anybody had a chance to to see the helmet presentation mm-hmm. from from yesterday's game on, on Tuesday night, but the embrace between Shife and, and Eric is. You yeah, know, it's, it's cool. tough to fake, you know, yeah. like these guys want to play in front of him. And, and it's these are guys that came up in the organization together. Obviously, Morrissey being one of them and Shifley, you know, obviously leapfrogged him a little bit in terms of their development curve. But that's to be expected with with goaltending. And they, they love playing in front of this guy. So, um, you know, when you have that confidence in somebody, then you want to fight for them. So. Uh, speaking of somebody who's gaining confidence at the National Hockey League level, Christian Veselainen, he's our guest this week on Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, as I'm sure you saw on social media, the Winnipeg Jets appeared to have had a Halloween uh, soiree. Um, I'm sure that's what they called it. Of course. That's totally the word they used. And uh, there were some fantastic costumes uh, that I'm sure everybody saw. Uh, Christian Veselainen, uh, I'm sure you've noticed uh, he has changed his haircut. <laughs> Um, or lack thereof. This is for his costume? Well, I don't know if it was for his costume, but it inspired the costume. Right. So, I'll stop talking. Here's our interview with the young Finn. Jets fans, November is Hockey Fights Cancer Month, and we want you to join the fight. 
You can support the cause by buying online raffle tickets at winnipegjets.com slash hockeyfightscancer with all proceeds going to Cancer Care Manitoba. And don't forget the Hockey Fights Cancer game is on November 22nd versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. Get your tickets at winnipegjets.com slash tickets. Help Hockey Fight Cancer today. Hi, this is Christian Veselainen, and you're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Joined here on the Ground Control podcast with Jets forward Christian Veselainen. Uh, okay, so it's November 1st as we record this. Halloween was yesterday, but I know Halloween's not a thing in Finland. It is. It is? It, it is. Okay, Actually, so I've heard yeah, conflicting have. reports. No, we we celebrate Halloween, and uh, but not maybe as big as here, but yeah. We do it. Yeah. Okay. So did you did you go trick or treating when you were a kid? Uh I did not do it every every year, but some years I did. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it looks like the team had a Halloween party yesterday. Did you attend? Ah, uh, of course, of course. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, what was your costume for yesterday? Uh, I was the Mister Clean. <laughs> 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 uh, for those that don't know what Christian looks like right now, why were you Mr. Clean? Uh, I, th- I thought that was perfect. I thought that, <laughs> that suited me well, so yes, I, uh, I had to had to do it. Okay, so you, you brought it up. You've, you've gone bald. You've shaved the head. What's what's the story there? Uh, just uh, there's actually not a story. Just uh, wanted to shave it earlier than uh, than later. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Um, what was some of the other costumes? Did you have any uh, thoughts on some of your teammates? How did they dress up? Uh, actually, Svech had a pretty pretty nice one. He, uh, I think, he had somebody to uh, make up. He was a joker, so he had a pretty pretty good uh, good costume. Yeah. Nice. Um, you know, switching to the hockey side of things now. Just uh, your eight games into the regular season. How do you feel uh, the season's gone for you personally so far? Uh, it's been there's been some good games, some bad games too. Uh, but uh, I can still still play play better and uh, should be uh, should uh, be consistent with my level. So I have not done that. Uh, but otherwise, it's been it's been okay. What are some of the things that you're you're looking to improve? Then I guess in that in that same breath. Uh, just uh, the game with the puck, please uh, be a little bit more offensive and uh, get more chances, uh, and just go go to the net, and uh, that's that's it. One of the things that I remember from last year, talking to Jamie Compon, was just saying that when you came to camp last year and throughout the season and bouncing between the taxi squad and the and the roster, you know your willingness to learn was was fantastic, and just taking whether it was criticisms and applying them to try and get better just what was it about that season last year that you think is sort of maybe helped you move forward here uh i mean uh, being uh, around with these guys uh, there's obviously a lot of leaders good leaders in this uh, this team so it's nice to see how how they do things and uh obviously listen listen to them and listen to the coaches what they have to say and um because um, obviously you're not, you can't know everything when you're uh, uh, as a player. So it's good to have uh, those kind of guys and uh, coaches around me that helps helps me a lot. And uh, that's that's maybe the biggest biggest thing. One thing that I, I wonder, you know, Patrick Line is no longer with the organization. Sammy Nuku is no longer with the organization. You're sort of now the the lone Finn, and I know you guys all hung out together. Do you? 
Do you see this new season sort of as just an opportunity to sort of, not that you were ever living in those guys' shadows, but do you know what I mean? You just sort of plot your own way forward and you're not, you're not relying on those guys to, to do this as a team. Like, I'm Christian Vessel and I got to do this on my own kind of thing. I don't know if, uh, if there's any thing from like Finnish guys have to be the best or something like For that. Sure, I've yeah. never, I never thought about it that way, but. Yeah, obviously this, is, this has to be a big, uh, big season for me, and uh, just uh, try to make the most of it. Um, you scored your first NHL goal. Very exciting. Congratulations. Um, Thanks. Just how did that feel uh, to put the puck in? That I know it was a long time coming for you, and you're a guy who offense is something that is sort of your calling card. And you know, to get your first one, just what did it feel like? Yeah, um, I was I was excited when I scored that, and. Uh, Obviously, that's the dream when you're a kid. You wanna you wanna first play in the NHL and then score. And uh, I, uh, yeah, I'm usually scoring goals, but it's been uh, pretty tough for me now. But that's a good good thing that I got it got it out my way. So. It was a, a tip in goal. Just take me through the play. You know, some people might say, "Oh, it was just an accident that it ended up going in." But I feel like that was designed. You, you put your stick in the place that you knew a tip was going to have a shot at going in the back of the net. Yeah, 100%. You're not going to just go into the net and try to tip pucks uh, to the boards. Obviously, right. you're going <laughs> to try to score. So that's the thing. Yeah, but Schmidty had, uh, uh, had the puck in the blue line pretty good, and it was not the most hardest shot ever. But so it was pretty easy easy to flick that in. Uh, you're playing on the left or right side right now, and your left shot. Uh, what kind of challenges come along with playing that opposite side? Uh, I feel maybe timing actually. It's like it's a little bit weird, weird to turn there on the defensive zone. But other than that, uh, it's 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 fine. I, I feel like uh, since our was pretty pretty hard, but I'm I'm getting there. Uh, obviously, good opportunities for one timers as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, on that opposite that, side. yeah, yeah. That's uh, and I have a pretty good shot, so I. Uh, that that's a good thing for me. Uh, you've had a, an interesting path to the NHL. You spent time in the Liga and the KHL. Just how did those experiences and playing in those leagues sort of help you prepare for what's in front of you now? Uh, I mean, Finnish league is uh, is pretty pretty good league, and KHL was uh, even better, but. Just from uh, playing with the older guys and uh, men at the young age, so uh, I think that was a big, big thing for me, uh, obviously. And um, there are some guys in uh, KHL too, and uh, Joker who's played in uh, in NHL, so uh, they uh, helped me a little bit. What's the like for North Americans here? You know, we don't the KHL is just something we see on Twitter highlights. You know, just what is the quality of play like there, and what kind of league is it? Is it is it just pretty close to the NHL with some different style? I mean, the the rink is so big, or it was, I don't know if they've changed it. So you have more, a uh, lot of time there. Uh, but yeah, there's some really skilled guys and uh, pretty, uh, I would say, pretty big, big uh, D-man. They're strong, strong D-man. But I mean, it's, uh, it's a really good league. It's a hard league to play, obviously. And uh, uh, yeah. I feel like the travel's got to be hard playing in that league, especially for you guys playing uh, in Helsinki. Yeah, I think we uh, we were in uh, China, and that was uh, that was a long long flight. I think it was like 12, 12 something hours, something like that. So it was uh, obviously the travel was was uh, pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you do on a twelve-hour flight? 
Mm. I usually uh, play cards. Okay. But I, I don't. I don't. I don't remember what. What did I do? Maybe. Maybe sleep too. Makes sense. What's your What's your card game of choice? Uh, Snarps. Yeah. How does that game work? I've never heard of it. Uh, I don't even know how to explain it in English, but it's you get five cards. You have to call a suit and suit and stuff like that. It's I, I can't explain. It. <laughs> can't. Uh, last question for you before we wrap things up. You wear number ninety-three. I believe that was your like development camp number that was assigned to you, and you've kept it ever since. Uh, just why ninety-three? I played with ninety-three when I was in uh, in fin- Finland. Yeah, I played uh, so just it went pretty good, good that season for me. So I just kept it. So nice. uh, yeah, cool. Christian Veselainen on Ground Control. Thanks so much. Thanks. Shop where the players shop. Jetsgear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jetsgear locations or shop online at TrueNorthShop.com. Thanks so much to uh, Christian Veselainen for joining us here on Ground Control. Uh, Before we get into things, uh, Halloween costumes. (laughs) Oh. did you guys, were you dressed up as anything? Jamie, you have three children. Uh, I had to go to a kid's Halloween party. So I, the easiest thing to do is just, I have a Superman shirt. You put the suit on, you unbutton your top shirt, your Superman, throw on the glasses, boom. Nice. Yeah. Well done. I've used it three times now. There's a I, while ago, like we had, uh, when I was in my thir- late 20s, early 30s, we just used the same jumpsuit and put, it was like a prisoner costume, so we would put our phone number as our... Oh, no. <laughs> Brilliant. That's as great. our prisoner number, so anyways, <laughs> nice. I digress. Uh, I did not dress up this year. Um, did you hand out candy? How's your yes, neighborhood I for did candy? Do that. Oh, really good. Yeah, I bet. Really good. Like, so we've lived uh, at our place now. I guess this would be five years, and the first year it was kind of like part of this like new development. So, yeah. uh, and we we took possession like the week before Halloween, and moved in and all that kind of stuff. So like, you have this new development. You have no grass, no driveway. <laughs> And muddy it's mud, yeah. And we're just like, we have candy, and like, we're wanting to just like throw it to the street. But it, go deep. Yeah. So it's been nice. Like every kind of every year since, um, that kind of area has gotten a little bit more established and all that kind of stuff. So now, like, you're starting to get more and more kids. I I want to say we were close to 100, which Holy is something that for like the little place that uh, that we live in, that's that's uh, I think a pretty big deal. So Tyler, you have a house now, so you're like full adult. You must have a lot of kids. Yeah, around. I was just. Yeah gonna say is our first halloween in our in our new house and uh yeah we had about 43 kids but i mean my fiance was super excited about to hand out candy and the dog and i just sort of sat on the couch and watched people come up uh my favorite one was the dad with the beer on my driveway and we just gave each other a little little nod Uh, you know just do what you can to get through Uh, but yeah i've been successfully snacking on peanut m&ms for there you go days now so the best idea was the smaller chocolate bar ever before oh for sure when we are when i was a kid it was brutal candy was brutal well, was, I remember popcorn balls, apples. <laughs> well, there's yeah. always that rumor there's razor blades in the apples. <laughs> well, well, even I'm like sure this, some weirdo did it. Well, <laughs> even this year, like I think I, the first box of Halloween candy I saw at our house was like September 4th. I was like, this is not going to last. <laughs> and 
I think it made it to the seventh. <laughs> <Not bad. laughs> New record. So, there you go. Nice. Three days. So, there was some significant uh, amount of runs to the grocery store to buy more candies so that we would actually have some on the day. All right. Well, uh, Halloween is fun. There's also some fun going on this month here uh, in downtown Winnipeg in the plaza at True North Square. Uh, there's going to be some parties ahead of uh, the Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose games. It's a lot of partying. It is. Uh, so I'm going to try and run through this uh, event here every game. Um, but ahead of the Jets and Moose games, you can come down to the plaza at True North Square. Uh, there's some really cool things happening. They've got a tent set up, and they'll have some hot stoves uh, with some local uh, Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose alumni. So just answering some questions, maybe you hear a, a cool story or two. Uh, obviously, there's food and beverages uh, available for purchase. Uh, there'll be a DJ as well. And uh, in addition to all of that, uh, they also have some cultural performances lined up. So that's, uh, you know, open to interpretation there, but definitely some uh, neat things that could come out of that. Um, and then also, uh, just so people are aware, you do not have to have a ticket to the game to attend. Uh, so if you want to come down here and get a feel of the atmosphere, uh, that's something you can do. Just a reminder, though, it is QR coded. So if you'd like to come in and attend the event, you must show proof of double vaccination. So uh, that's the parties in the plaza all November long. Uh and if I'm hearing this, and you know, even if you don't have a ticket to the game uh, for this weekend, man, it is supposed to be warm here in the Manitoba yes. capital. I, I thought it was supposed to get up to 12 degrees. Might have to break out the lawnmower again. <laughs> yes, I know. I was just thinking that. I was like, that's going to mean one more extra cut on the old lawn, but the party in the plaza would be way more fun than that. I agree. So, yeah, parties in the plaza. Get down here and enjoy it. Uh, some great atmosphere, some great performances as well. Uh, back to the hockey side of things. Uh, two games on tap for the Winnipeg Jets coming up on Friday and Saturday. Friday, they take on Chicago. And then Saturday, the New York Islanders are in town. It's the rare home back-to-back, mm-hmm. uh, which can be a good old grinder. Uh, <laughs> Especially for- where the second opponent is. Like, that's, oh, yeah. But that's not an easy opponent for your second game in as many nights. Oh, no. So, Jamie, it's it's your turn to talk. Uh, tell, <laughs> tell me about... i all this talking. Tell me about <laughs> the two matchups for the Winnipeg Jets this weekend. Well, I, I remember we were going through our getting to know the Central Division um, videos that we put up on winnipegjets.com and on social media. Chicago did a lot of, how shall we say, they stopped the rebuild train quite promptly and uh, went another direction, bringing in some Marc-Andre Fleury, of course, and it has not gone well. Um, they have one regulation win uh, to start here, and things have kind of gone off the rails for the Chicago Blackhawks. Um so, you know, he's familiar customers, John the Taves, Patrick Kane, you go down the list, just things have not gone well for this hockey club. And so they come in uh, on Friday for the first time in a long time in, in the city, and then you have the New York Islanders on the weekend. The Islanders are up to a slower start. They were thought of, you know, kind of as a Stanley Cup contender based on the fact that they have pushed the, the Tampa Bay Lightning to the brink uh, the past couple of playoffs, um, of course, before falling. So it's a, a little bit slower start. They're a grinding team, older team, much like the Dallas Stars. They get great, they get great goaltending. So for ordinarily, that's that, especially on home ice, and you, you don't make the schedule yourself. You prefer the Chicago Blackhawks be the opponent on Saturday rather than the Islanders. But that's where we sit. You know, just looking at that Metro Division, 
That's a tough, oh. tough division. Pittsburgh sits in last, and they're three, three, and two, which yeah. obviously isn't the start they wanted. But they've had some. some well, tough... no Crosby and no Malkin to start the year, so it's impressive yeah. they even yeah. set where they are right now, too. So Islanders also sitting with eight points at a record of three, two, and two. Uh, to close things out, Mitchell, I'll turn things over to you. Uh, for me, just one of the things I noticed about the game on Tuesday was the Stanley and DeMello pairing. Uh, while they're not known for their offense, Stanley maybe a little bit, uh, they all had, the, both of them had some chances. Just, mm-hmm. But that's not what we're going to talk about. I, I just want to know what that duo has done for the team in order to balance the defense score, balance the minutes, and just have some reliability defensively on that back end. Well, reliability is the big one uh, that you mentioned. You know, Paul Maurice has a pair that he can go to that, you know, is fully capable. I mean, obviously, Dylan DeMello is a guy that, that came over at the, the trade deadline a couple seasons back now and really, you know, was, was known for just playing this this strong, fundamentally sound game. He makes smart reads, quick reads, moves the puck well. Uh, which is something that you obviously want on your back end. Logan Stanley just continues to get better, obviously had his breakout year last year. Um, and then this year just continues to, to improve on that. And there were a couple of times against the Stars, Tyler, where you and I kind of turned to each other and we're like, man, that's a play that, you know, if you're six foot seven, you can get there. If you're six foot four, you can't. And there were a few of those plays against the Stars from Logan Stanley. And um, I just think he just continues to get more and more confident. You look at them as a pair... In terms of like five on five shot attempt differential and whatnot, they're on the positive side of that ledger, which is good. Um, that's what you want to see, of course, from not just that defensive pair, but any of them. The only thing that they probably want to improve on, but I think this goes for the Jets defense and even the forwards as a whole, is just the high danger chances are a little bit more geared towards the opponent than they are for the Winnipeg Jets with those two on the ice. But it's the same across the board. I mean, you look at the game against the, the Dallas Stars, they didn't really get a bunch of great cha- bunch of great shots, but the shots that they did get, the chances they did get were high-danger opportunities. We talked about the Jamie Benn goal uh, being one of them. So, And Paul Maurice kind of touched on, you know, there are some things that they want to do, but for 90% of the time that they're in their defensive zone, especially against the Stars... I mean, you like what you see from the Jets. They're moving the puck well. They're they're able to, you know, get those defensive stops. And then they run one of their breakout plays, and away they go, and they're through the neutral zone with speed. So I think as they continue to, to work together, uh, both forwards and defense, and that includes the Stanley and DeMello pairing, you're going to start to see those numbers start to go back in the direction that the Winnipeg Jets would like. But I think you're seeing a lot of uh, positives, especially from that pairing early on this season. Yeah, and just on the the minutes notion, you know, Dylan DeMello averaging about 15 and a half minutes and and Stanley averaging about 14. I think in years past that that third pairing wasn't quite hitting that number. Mm-hmm. Uh so obviously something that Paul Maurice uh is able to go and 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 use a, with a little bit more consistency and uh just as a whole the team with a solid defensive effort. I think pretty much through the entire second period on Tuesday, I think Dallas had like two shots on net. They ended up with eight in the period total, yeah. but it didn't they, they hardly had any ozone time so uh the jets defense play getting better as the season goes along and i think we're getting better as the season goes along too yes. uh but that's for you to judge uh that's enough from us on behalf of myself tyler escabel uh 680 cjobs jamie thomas and jets tv's mitchell clinton thanks so much for tuning into ground control the official podcast of the winnipeg jets have yourself a great week and weekend and you'll hear from us next week 
This is Big Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. For Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com. Proceed with a